Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is Danny. Join me as we go deep into God's Word, as we discover the hidden gems and hidden treasures that God has made available to us all if we would have but ears to hear and eyes to see. As you come with me on this journey, let's explore God's Word and see what He desires to show and tell us in our day. This may be your first time or the next time, but I welcome you here. Let's dig in and see what the Lord has for us today. Hello, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to this next episode. And today, it's going to be a little different um, in here. Just kind of, well, I guess you could say winging it. <laughs> I feel that this recording, I believe, trusting that the Lord will just open and guide us as we go along, I don't have any notes. Um, I have looked through a few chapters uh, here in Genesis to see where I believe that I am to start. And I continue thinking about chapter four here, just kind of stuck at that one, where we see uh, this murder of Abel by Cain. They're the two uh, two first sons of Adam and Eve and so we're just gonna we're just gonna read some some scripture we're going to I'm just gonna share what the Lord puts in my heart as I spend just personal time studying his word I find a flood of insight um a significant amount of understanding things that get pieced together in my heart and mind as I just personally go through it. I do feel a draw to to do that in a more corporate setting. However, you know, at the onset, I will say it's definitely a uh, uncomfortable zone to not know what you'll say. Oftentimes, I'll have things, little jots of notes down that that I want to speak specifically on, or I may even have uh, quite a bit of of text written as I share. So this is definitely outside of my comfort zone in, as it relates to being prepared. So I do want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. I appreciate all of those who are gathering from other countries. The list continues to grow. Um, we are adding on um, Canada. Um, we also have added South Africa. So uh, I welcome all those who have been walking with us, the, those who are uh, new to this, and those who will continue to be added to this stream. I appreciate the time and attention and pray that the Lord reveal things to your heart as he does to mine. So that being said, we'll just start with some text. I do actually have um, two uh, translations of Bibles here before me uh, today. I have the English Standard and then the one that I typically share here out of 
the new revised standard um, just for some of the ease of the word use. Although I do find benefit in um, exploring many different translations um, and I, I appreciate and value what they can bring to the table and how they can alter my perception of uh, particular encounters and scenarios here in the Word. So we'll start with the New Revised and then see what the English Standard can can add to or highlight certain things that we may uh, have missed. So we're starting in Genesis chapter 4. And the thing that I love about the book of Genesis is I come back to it so frequently I'll I'll be drawn to it. I'll be drawn to the creation story, the creation account. Um, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden, and and their first encounter with with Satan, and their 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 fall, the sin of mankind, humanity, and some just some of the subsequent chapters. It's Genesis is a, an an incredible um, an incredible thing that that the Lord continues to bring me back to. And, and I discover new things from it every time I revisit. So it is a, uh, a fantastic read, uh, packed with uh, many things that happen over the span of time, uh, both significant and sometimes uh, seemingly uh, insignificant. So in Genesis chapter 4, verses uh, 1, we'll just start reading, and it says, Now the man knew his wife Eve. And she conceived and bore Cain. I'm immediately drawn to the word "new." Now the man knew his wife. This is this is certain language that uh, spares us some of the the gritty details. Um, however, it's 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 a word that invokes this intimacy. Um, it, and the man Adam knew or was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived. And bore Cain. She said, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Now, I think that when, as we make our way through predominantly the, the New Testament, and, and we are taking in light of that word knowing, when we when we say the phrase "know God," um, to know Jesus, there is attached to it this element of intimacy, and and intimacy cannot be divorced from the word knowing. We see that even here in the beginning of the text, that Adam knew his wife; he was intimate with. Now the you know this this the sexual nature of this encounter produced in Eve a son, and I believe that that reality that is inside of intimacy is where something in us is produced as a consequence of intimacy. So if if you find yourself listening here and think on your level 
of intimacy with God, with, of intimacy with, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. As you, as you think on the, the level of intimacy that you have, do you find yourself devoid of something? Do you find yourself lacking? Is there, is there something in that spiritual walk that you, you feel is, is insufficient or there's something missing? And I think that so often, and especially in my own life, it's, it's always a, a direct parallel to the, to the level of intimacy that I have with God. And we see it in the natural sense here in verse 1 that as a, as a result of intimacy, it produced, uh, there was a byproduct of that intimacy. And we see this somewhat um, parallel in this idea of, you know, we, you know, these spiritual sons, Timothy, uh, Paul, Paul speaks of, calls Timothy his son. We know he's not his physical son, but he, Paul did have a hand in this kind of spiritual upbringing, his mentorship, or you could say, you know, that Paul is a kind of spiritual father to Timothy. And so there is also a reality, not only in this, in this physical sense, but also in the spiritual sense. When, when there is an intimacy, when there is relationship, nearness, then out of that place of, of, of relationship, of fellowship, of intimacy, there can be birthed this reality of um, offspring. I believe this paints a a beautiful picture of what we are to do in the body of Christ when we are making disciples. We're not, we're not simply, we're not on this conquest of of adding people to the list, uh, you know, in heaven's book per se. We, it is a, it is a depth of fellowship that produces sons and daughters in the kingdom. Now we know that this is not of our own hand or work. Um, and Eve actually makes this statement. She says, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. And we do this as, as new births occur in the kingdom of God. It is not through, through our hand that produces the offspring, that produces the harvest. It is through the help of the Lord. But notice, it is significant that... Um, in that statement, she does declare, I have produced a man. So there is a role to play with each, you know, for each Christian inside the body of Christ. There is a role for us to play. And just like Eve, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. We cannot divorce ourselves from the role that we play while also maintaining consistently and humility, and both reality, that it cannot be accomplished without the help of the Lord. So that's um, significant for us to keep in mind. Verse 2, next, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, 
and Cain a tiller of the ground. Now, it is significant to remember this is chapter 4 where we see verse or chapter 3 previously was where sin entered into the storyline and there's there's punishment on on this front. Now, it it is in chapter 3 verse 17 we can read that to the man he said God said because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. That's now we go back to chapter four and we see that Abel was a keeper of sheep, so he was a shepherd, and we see that Abel, um, or rather Cain is a tiller of the ground. So Cain is working that that thing that is cursed. He is through the curse producing fruit. Now, that's not just you know, fruit in the in the sense of the literal word, um, the the byproduct of the land. You know, the things that are grown. He is producing, he is tilling the ground, the ground that which is cursed because of the disobedience of Adam. While Abel is keeping the sheep or a shepherd. Now verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel for his part, brought of the firstlings or the firstborn of his flock, their fat portions. It is interesting to consider Cain is the firstborn and Abel is the secondborn. So as we think about the the placement of these sons and we we kind of take a um, bird's eye view of the progression of humanity and the introduction of Jesus into humanity's storyline we can see a a kind of running parallel between Adam we call Adam the the first man Obviously, he was. And then Jesus we call the last Adam, or the last man. So we can see here, even in this order of birth, this the depravity in the first man, the, the first son of the man, Cain, and then the second or 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 you could say the last son even though in the literal sense he we know he is not the last son because we know that Seth comes um after Abel is murdered but it does speak and it does show and demonstrate a a parallel into the progression or the flow of of the story of history so now it says that in the course of time they brought to the Lord an offering this is Cain brought his his offering of the fruit of the ground. So 
remember the ground was cursed. There was a, a, a production. So Cain's offering was a product of, of the curse. Now, we don't know exactly, and, and depending on the translation that you read it out of, um, some paints a different, uh, a modified picture perhaps, but what we don't really know is um, to what uh, capacity did he bring an offering? Meaning, you know, was it the the best of his you know, fruit of the ground? Was it his kind of strays, his cast-offs? But we do know that Abel, uh, for his part, brought of the firstlings or the firstborn of his flock, their fat portion. So, you know, in that day, um, even, you know, in our mo more um, nearer history, those who have a sustenance of, you know, from the land who are sustained by the, the animals, the, you know, vegetation and all of those things, the, the fat, fat is a necessary component in our diet. And so for, for able to bring a f fat portions to the Lord is demonstrating the posture of Abel's heart to say, I am giving to God what I could desire to use, but I put himself, I put him above myself. And so it tells us as we continue to read, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain in verse five and his offering, he had no regard. So if we switch kind of gears to this ESV it says in verse 4, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So back to the, the other translation, the New Revised. And it said, So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. His, um, his countenance, the, the posture of the, f of, of his face. It says on the ESV, he had, uh, for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So it's this, it's this downcast face. He was angry. He was bitter. He was sullen. He was uh, downcast. I do, I do also want to, and this is something that the Lord has, has shown me in the past. And I did want to, to share with it just kind of briefly, because I think it is a spiritual reality that is at work even as far back as the story of Cain and Abel. And it's this, um, it's this spirit that is at work. And we see it present. It's 1 Kings 21 when Ahab was interacting with Naboth to, to acquire his vineyard. 
And we, if, again, it's 1 Kings 21, I won't go through the entire story, but, but, but Ahab approached uh, Naboth that, because he had a vineyard that was right beside the palace of the king, uh, of king and this was King Ahab uh, of Samaria. And so he, he told Naboth, give me your vineyard so that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near to my house. So it's this, it's this aspect of convenience. And, and perhaps this is something that we see also in, um, in Cain. Perhaps, we don't, I, we don't know this, but perhaps he is, he is giving to God. We do know that what he brought to God was not regarded by God. God did not accept it. Um, and, and so could it be that, that Cain is bringing an offering of convenience? And so God says, I, I will not accept that offering. You, you can't come to me with that. And so Ahab, because of convenience, wants this vineyard. And he doesn't want to, you know, it, there's a significance, a, a spiritual reality significance, the fact of a vineyard. Um, you know, it's this, um, he, Christ, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. It's so there is a significance that it uh, that it is a vineyard, and there's many places throughout the Bible you could do a little a little study on all the where all vineyards are mentioned, and then and then look at maybe start to piece together this puzzle of significance. Um, before that, it would be very interesting to to find out. Um, but Ahab wants this vineyard. So that he can make it a vegetable garden. It's it's almost as though he is despising um, that which is for something he wants. He is not appreciating what is currently there because he wants something different, something fitting his desire something that he has a taste for. And so he just goes on to approach him with this. He says, he'll give you, I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I'll just give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you my ancestral inheritance. That is a profound, a profound statement because many of us, even in our day, um, those, I would even dare to say, inside the body of Christ, as we come to know and fellowship with, you know, through Jesus Christ, with the Father God, many of us are not walking in our full ancestral inheritance. Can be for many factors uh, for many, could be related to experiences, things, belief systems that we have, uh, the capacity in which God can do certain things. Many factors are at play that try to disqualify us from walking 
in fully our ancestral, we, as, as sons and daughters of God, we have been re-encoded. Our, our DNA is now a byproduct of the kingdom of God. We have been adopted into the family of Christ and as we are now integrated into that family, we have now a an inheritance, an, an ancestral inheritance. And many of us and many of us do not currently or have yet to walk in the fullness of that inheritance that we possess. And it's nothing of our doing. It's it's all grace that God has bestowed upon us as sons and daughters of God. And so when Naboth says, no, no, I cannot give you my inheritance, Ahab went home resentful and sullen because of what Naboth had said to him. And so it continues on there and and it says, he lay down on his bed, turned away his face and would not eat. And some of this same language um, in other translations will will show itself, um, possibly the ESV, I, I won't turn there to save time, but um, it's this same, it's this same reality. It's this, this der- uh, downcast or downturned face, sullen, bitter anger. We see it present here in Ahab and if you continue follow the story on, you can see how uh, Jezebel and Ahab conspire and they essentially murder Naboth and steal from his line that vineyard. Now, we see that present here at work through Cain and Abel, this downcast, sullen bitterness uh, resentment, envy, and and I truly believe that there is this um, this spirit at work. Now, when I first realized, as I was reading this story of of Ahab and and Naboth the vineyard, in in the best that I could, the language. Um, we've all, many of us, have heard the phrase Jezebel spirit, and and Jezebel obviously embodying that type of behavior. We we also, some of us may realize that Jezebel spirits are not just um, allocated to females. Men can actually too exhibit this Jezebel spirit, this this controlling, dominating. Uh, manipulative types of behavior, and the, the list goes on inside of that reality of you know Jezebel spirit. But but there's also another spirit at work, and and God began to show me this inside of Ahab, and Ahab and Jezebel were like this nitro and glycerin combination. She she kind of. Um, propped him up and and he fed into her desire to control and manipulate so they actually form quite a pair and 
in his behavior, uh, that is King Ahab, in his behavior, as he was told no, keep keep in mind the the response of Cain when his when his offering by to God when he was said no this is not acceptable God re, re, did not regard it he did not he did not accept it or approve of it Cain's face was downcast he was sullen he was angry so so the language that I have for this um, I call this the Ahab spirit and this this is I, I've not looked into this to see if this is a uh, a present you know teaching reality um, but I see a parallel here between these two scriptures and so uh, nevertheless that's what I call it but it's this Ahab spirit and we see that that spirit that that bitterness of rejection and sullenness it's this um this kind of depressive anger and we see that at work in Cain now so Cain it said was very angry and his countenance fell verse 6 the lord said to Cain why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. So the Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Now we know the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. By him and through him, all things created that have been created, who existed eternally, uncreated, before time existed, in the beginning, God. Right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. He was in the beginning. He was before the beginning. And John, the book of John, chapter 1, he links this Genesis account with also a continuation of this theology of God. And he links that to Jesus Christ himself. So these, so the, the indivisible God existing before time began, he is asking a question of Cain. And he said, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Now, he knows, but, but God does this. He asks questions to stimulate out of you, to, to work you into this place of, of reality, of aha. I see what you're saying. I see what you're getting at. He's kind of teasing out the thread a little so that we can lay hold of it. Because we know there's nothing he doesn't know. Because he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Nothing can be hidden from him. It's the same reality that we find inside of, I believe it's chapter 3, when, when God tells, you know, tells Adam, where are you? He knows exactly where he is. 
but he but God presents these questions to us at, so that it would that it would stir up in us a an awareness of that that is insufficient or perhaps even um, perhaps even sufficient he could ask questions to stimulate us in the sense of something good that we did that he wants us so he wants to highlight it and so he asks him why are you angry and why is your face fallen he he kind of reaffirms here the importance of of what Cain must be aware of and even us in our day if you do well will you not be accepted and if you do not do well sin is lurking at your door its desire is for you its desire is for you but you must master it in the ESV it says its desire is for you but you must rule over it i think this is a this is a very significant line to me because it's a reminder to me of of our dominion over sin when when we surrender our our everything our lives our our who we are when we surrender it to Jesus and come into alignment with his desires then and we walk in fellowship with him we we receive this grace this gift by our faith in him when we come into uh, come up under his leadership it is at that point that we have authority we have dominion over sin we are no longer slaves to sin death where is your sting so it is important for us to remember that as we walk through our lives as we are in fellowship with Christ we have the authority over sin in our lives if we if we submit or yield the desires of our flesh then we are permitting sin to have a foothold in our life when in fact it doesn't have the right to that anymore now um this i have i i believe i have enough common sense and even practical sense in my own life that that's not to say that that i don't ever mess up or screw up or sin but this this does um, give me a a hope that sin is not my master, and I must work. F, I must effort to to master sin. I must not let it be my master, but I must dictate through the power of Christ's sacrifice and not yield to its authority because it it no longer has authority to speak that into my life. So Cain's 
said to his brother, Abel, let us go out into the field. He is, he is manipulating, he is conniving, um, and he is creating a story. This is this manipulation piece. Let us go out into the field. Because when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, this is the type of thing that happens to us every day in our walk as a, um, as a believer, follower of Jesus Christ, um, as a Christian. We, we, come, we come across these, these things in our lives that we ask God, why did you allow that to happen? And even though that discussion can, can go on probably eternally, we, at the end of the day, we have to trust that, that God knows what is, what is best. And it's not to say that these things that happen to us are best. But he can take these, these tragedies through the, the free will of, of you know, men and women, boys and girls who allow sin to conquer them and produce in them this you know this evil fruit but even as tragic as all of these horrible things that can happen even greater is the reality that God can take the the messed up the broken the 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 horrific things that can occur and he can he can transform them in each of our lives to to become this this beautiful masterpiece of his hand in our lives you know it's it's tragic and horrific that Cain was able to and did kill his brother Abel horrific but as a byproduct of that we see the birth of Seth. And through Seth, we see this continuation of the lineage in whom would come via Jesus Christ, this, the, our, our Savior of humanity, to those who would receive him. It's, it's a hard thing to grasp. And if we can... If we can avoid the the bitterness, the sullenness of that which that happens to us and and embrace the reality that God will take this tragedy and he will turn it for something good that brings him glory that that strengthens and encourages others. I'm reminded of Peter and when Jesus told tells Peter you know, right before he goes to the cross, and, and Peter says, "No, I, the, all of these other jokers will um, may deny, may you know, flee and run off, but I will actually die for you." And Jesus tells him, "No, Peter, you're you're not quite what you think you are, and you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows." And and so, but he tells Peter that. 
when you return, strengthen your brothers. And and Jesus makes an a intentional effort to to speak to that broken thing that is in Peter after he denies him and and he we find in this in throughout the story of the gospel that you know Peter is is off and and Jesus tells those other you know his other disciples to you know go collect go get the disciples and Peter so Peter doesn't even acknowledge himself as a disciple he he is he is far gone but even that tragedy that is that is permitted to happen in Peter through the through his denial God takes that and says when you come back to me strengthen your brothers he can speak into particular situations in some of his you know brothers and sisters in Christ he can speak into situations that others maybe have not experienced but he he can and he can he can speak to the redemptive grace of Jesus and so God takes something that you know could have scarred Peter and marked him for the rest of his life and he uses it and makes him one of the um, most you know a, an important figurehead inside of the apostleship of Jesus so I would just encourage you as as I just close this down um, that those broken things that are in you that you try to keep pushed down and buried down um, I believe that God is inviting you to to take off those those covers to take off those those leaves of hiding those fig leaves leaves of hiding and and have a conversation with God over those things in you that are broken that are jaded that are bitter that are resented and and be, and allow the the salve the the healing ointment of God to to be applied to those areas and as you release those those frustrations those brokenness those those places of of horrific hurt as you release that to to God allow his spirit to to heal those broken pieces and and he will use that thing those events he will use for the strengthening of both yourself and others in the faith. So I would encourage you to to be open to God, to to tell him of your frustration. He he is very capable of handling all of your frustrations and your anger. But just speak it out to him to let him to to process it. And he and have an ear to hear the the tenderness that he has for you and his desire for you. So I thank you for uh, spending this time with me and um, we'll catch you on the next episode. God bless. Thanks for joining me. I hope this blessed your heart and you leave with something special. Let us press in to know Him more. Let us press in to know Him more. 
and He will find us in seeking and seek us in finding. God bless you.